Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear you come in. I'm listening to a podcast. There are these audio recordings. I'm familiar with the concept of a podcast. Everyone is. No one listens to them. Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Dave, how do I look right now? You look um, like you were at a fish concert till 2 a.m., yes. jumped on a plane. Yes. We're late coming to our interviews. Yes. And uh, actually, you look really good. <laughs> oh, thanks. And I think, and, and like, I was, I think uh, I mean, we're in the same studio, but like it yeah. looks like we have different we lighting. We natural lighting here. We, um, oh, we could. We're right there. there I also light. did uh, a day and a half of a B Corp conference as well, which is also exhausting. So that was yesterday right. in Toronto. Ended up at the Fish concert after. What's your favorite Fish uh, song, Dave? Uh, all of them. Okay, good. Good answer. Um, so I'm very excited because I got off the plane about half an hour ago and raced here yes. for this very special interview today yes, with yes. Uh, somebody that knows a lot about something that I am very passionate about, which is storytelling and personal branding and uh, a whole bunch of other things. So welcome, Jessica, to the Boiling Point Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here today. No, no, Jessica, um, I, I don't want to destroy or hack your last name, but can I take it? Can I try? Go for it. I love it. I love it when people try and I don't take offense. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So <laughs> phonetically, Gioglio? Close. Um, Gioglio? No, oh, boy. Man, um, Gioglio. <laughs> Um, okay, no, we, we, we need your help. <laughs> so it's it's Jolio, or as my kind of Italian relatives would be like, Jolio. Jolio, Jessica Jolio. So, yes. Oh, man. That was, that, that, it's a bit silent, yeah. so my yeah. entire life, I have been that person in class where I think my parents named me Jessica just to kind of take the heat off having a complicated last name. Because you would hear the name Jessica and then this really long pause. And I'd be like, yep, I'm here. God bless your parents. So, yes. <laughs> well, this is great. I know. I know. But you know what? Yeah. As, as I've grown older, I've learned to love it. And it's almost an icebreaker every time you meet somebody new. So, you know, it is what it is. So, so you weren't unique. That is the story, Greg. I was not unique. You were not Jessica's unique. unique. Yes. Um, so Jessica, you are an author of more than one book, uh, The Power of Visual Storytelling and The Laws of Brand Storytelling. These are two topics I talk about all the time. In fact, Dave and I uh, have been talking about it a lot to our clients because we um, have a course ourselves called The Boiling Point Process where we walk people through 
um, steps to be heard in a noisy market, which has everything to do with your knowledge base. So we're excited to listen and to not talk. So why don't you give us your introduction and let's get right into it. Sure. So as we said, my name's Jessica Jolio. Um, and I'm actually the co-author of both of these books. So I cannot take credit for them just by myself. It is very much a team effort. Um, I co-write with the incredible Ekaterina Walter. She's fabulously Russian by background. She's got the best accent you've ever heard. Um, and she's based in Portland, Oregon. And nice. You know, we came together on the first book on visual storytelling back when she was leading social media for Intel and I was leading social media for Dunkin' Donuts. And she comes running up to me at this event in Chicago and she's like, you have to come and hear me speak. I'm like, I, who is this woman with this fabulous accent who's saying I have to come hear her speak? And she was just so like her whole face was, you know, alive. And she's like, I loved your talk. And I'm giving a very similar one, except my business is B2B and it's completely different business. You know, you're selling donuts and coffee. I'm talking about processors and very technical topics. So, you know, we really bonded over that and ultimately ended deciding to write a book together. That's but so, cool. so that's the story we we ended up, long story short, at a conference in Paris after a week together. We decided to write the first book on visual storytelling. And then a few years later, the topic of storytelling was still something we really bonded over. So we decided that we wanted to really dig deeper into the narrative, the strategy, where you discover great stories in an organization, and then how you actually bring them to life. So that's how the laws of brand storytelling was born. So that's really my background. I am a marketer by trade. I've worked for lots of companies in the US and the UK, from Comcast to State Street, TripAdvisor, Duncan, um, as well as Sprinkler on the B2B to be side. And yeah, and now I'm over in London kind of working with a range of different companies on kind of marketing, social media, storytelling. So cool. So cool. And when it comes to what Dave and I are are helping to inspire our podcast listeners, also our, um, can we call them learners? Our boiling point process learners is- I think we can. Yeah. is Especially as entrepreneurs, we all have a story to, to share and our, our stories- are all engaging, but most people don't believe they've got an epic story to share. What's your thoughts on that? Does every entrepreneur or every person have a story worthy of sharing? And if so, what are the first steps for them to getting the nerve to, to start to package that together? I think that call me biased. I've written two books on storytelling, but I strongly believe that everyone has a great story to tell. It's actually how I got into the business of being in marketing in the first place. I started a lifestyle blog called The Savvy Bostonian, which is why that's still my Twitter handle, despite being in London. And I started by talking about sharing stories, covering content that I was passionate about. It allowed people to get to know me as a human being, and it also allowed me to make the pivot into marketing. So actually by kind of a passion project, I was actually able to show that I had chops as a marketer because I could design a website, I could bring an audience to it, I could create great content and build a community around it, all skills that really play into marketing. So whether you're a, you know, a startup business, you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business, you definitely have a story to tell. And I really 
I really advise people on starting with the human element of it. You know, what's your why? Why are you doing this? Why are you in business? Could be something personal to you. You know, that's from kind of your lifestyle. It also could be solving a problem. But when you put that out into the universe, people really respond because they feel like they understand a bit more about you and they can empathize with you. So I'm going to jump in here because I, I couldn't agree with you more. Jessica and I and but what I'm curious about is what stops people in your opinion from sharing their story like what you know I, I think we'd all agree everyone's got a wonderful story to share but for some reason people don't or you know if they share a story they they maybe avoid the human side uh, you know exactly what you're saying not to do right so what what do you what's your thoughts on that I think one element could be maybe not knowing what makes a great story a lot of times I talk to marketers and they say to me, but Jessica, nobody actually brings good stories to me. And, and I say, well, that's actually not, you know, it'd be great if you could create a culture within your company or you're a small business owner and you, that's kind of how you think, but you really have to think like a journalist and understand what makes a great story. So there's an element of just that education piece. And if you're in a, a medium to large size business, to actually create that culture within within your company, really educating people on what makes a great story, celebrating the people who come in and will tell you something amazing that happened. Once people see, oh my gosh, well, so-and-so from operations actually came up with this great story idea, you start to create that culture. So I think that's one element. I think another element, um, especially for maybe small businesses or kind of uh, personal entrepreneurs or maybe like early stage startups are... Perhaps maybe there's a fear of, of storytelling and putting certain things into the universe. You know, that fear of failure. We want to project this image, but we're not necessarily there yet. Mm. So I think there's an element. And especially, um, you know, a lot of my, I have a few very successful friends who will do something amazing. And I'm like, why didn't you tell that story online? And they're like, oh, well, I didn't want to be judged for it. So oh, I think there's an element, especially on the smaller business or kind of solopreneur side of fear of being judged. Um, and then I think lastly, um, just, I think maybe there's an element of feeling like your story is not good enough. So, you know, some, sometimes, especially when you're a more technical business or you're more B2B, you know, I see that a lot. Oh, consumer brands are the ones that have the most fun, just feeling like that story is not worthwhile and really having to really dig a bit deeper in how to actually tell that in a compelling way. You know, you know, it's funny when you say this, you know, wondering if your story is worthy and being a small business. And Greg and I have, uh, uh, you know, a, a joint story where we're both launching our businesses around the same time. And uh, and we did a, a documentary, which really kind of documented Greg's, me coaching Greg. I'm a coach. Greg's a filmmaker. Um, and that's the story. And I look back at it now and I go, <laughs> my God, did we have kahunas? Like, what were we thinking? You know, like, like and it's a weird thing, <laughs> I haven't, right? I haven't heard that term in a long time. Wow, it's a, it's a Boston, <laughs> you know, um, term for sure. No, but you know what I mean? This is idea that, yeah. um, that you just... And, and and I'm good on us, but I can see what you're saying, Jessica. Yeah. Like there is that there is that piece, there is that element of um, Jesus. My story worthy, and should we be out sharing it? Um, but I think we learned a lot from that process. Yeah, 100. percent And I, the other thing I want to uh, respond to for you, Jessica, is you're so right about the the judging thing, the fear around negative comments. And um, <laughs> it's funny. I I read one this morning. There's a film that I made back in 2001, I think, or 2002 called The Head's Tale. And uh, it, it's made a resurgence in the last few days because of a meme. Uh, an interesting story for another time, but 
I actually created one of the world's longest lasting memes. If you look no up, if you look up Wook, like Wookie, W-O-O-K, 17, you will, you will see what had happened from a still frame from my movie. Anyway, the film started to recirculate again. And I was just going through the comments on YouTube and this one person said, this is so disappointing. This film is so disappointing. It's a piece of, piece of junk or something like that. Said, But it was in a sea of, oh, this is so good. This is such nostalgia. I was at that show. It was a music festival documentary I made. And it kind of bugged me a little bit. But at the same time, like I had to filter through and say, look at how many people actually were positively impacted because I shared a story. And there's always going to be trolls out there and there's always going to be negative people but it seems that we as storytellers are scared to have negative responses but we have to push through that do you have any tips on that yeah i think my my best tip is really to have a strong sense of self and really work on a strategy, a storytelling strategy for your business. Because even if you're a small business owner, there's probably three or four content pillars that you really want to, are qualities you really want to be known for. So really what we recommend and what we take people through in the book is we take people how to actually define that for them. But at a high level, there's a lot that you can do just mapping out on a piece of paper, you know, old school saying, you know, who am I as a business? What's my why kind of, you know, what, what is my value proposition that's unique in the world? You know, what are some of the qualities that I want to be known for that are actually genuinely accepted by my customers? Because a lot of times we say, I want to be this person and this person and this person, but it's completely not authentic. So pressure test kind of what you want to be known for versus, you know, what your consumers and how the market actually proceeds you know, perceives you. So we really take people through that exercise. So if you really define that, then when something starts to happen, like you go get to ring the bell at NASDAQ, you know, in New York City, or you get to do this, or you get to do that, you know, what's actually a valuable moment that's going to, or a valuable story that maybe ties back to you as an individual or your business that's actually going to resonate versus maybe those kind of random acts of marketing where you just put random content out into the universe and hopes that, hope that it sticks. I really advocate for having just a bit of focus and a bit of strategy. And you know, one of those things could be around customer stories, which allows you to kind of go a bit deeper into kind of different areas of the business. So it doesn't necessarily always just have to be about you as the business. It can be about maybe a story from your supplier, from your customers, from, you know, something interesting that's happening in the world that's actually had an impact on your business. But those are where you really get to be a bit creative there. Who's that? Like when you think, when you look out at at people, more, I guess, companies telling really good stories, um, who stands out for you as a, as a great storyteller? Oh my gosh. So there's so many companies that I love. So I'm, I'm a bit of a kind of a case story, case story hoarder when it comes to like really great examples of marketing. Specifically around storytellers, I think one company I really love is GE or General Electric. And the reason why I love them is because I think that they take topics, they take a business that's not typically made for storytelling and they kind of shatter all the boundaries. So they have a strong sense of self. Their purpose is around innovation in STEM. So science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and they cover those concepts like a consumer brand. So they have a podcast. They have actually had a number of podcasts, but one specifically is called Life After, where they actually take AI and chatbots and they imagine what's going to happen to us 
with our online personas when we pass away. So imagine if I were to pass away, you could still like tweet me and I could answer you questions about storytelling online. You know, what would... That would be kind of interesting from a business perspective, but what would that do to the people that love me and, you know, what emotional and they really go deep on really the human side of, of some of these ramifications of technology. That doesn't necessarily tie back to a product or service that they have, whereas they do run more literal storytelling campaigns where they ran one called, what if we treated great female scientists as though they were celebrities? And the campaign starred a woman named Millie Dresselhaus, who is the first female faculty member at MIT, so Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It was literally over the bridge from me where, when I lived in Boston, I never knew this brilliant woman existed. She has so many awards and prizes and contributions to the field of science. And they shot a, um, a commercial to run across TV, social media, digital media. And it, it pretends like she's a Kardashian for the day. <laughs> so people, the paparazzi's chasing her. There's Barbie dolls after her. Whenever she tweets, you know, it, it generates news articles. Um, so it's a really wonderful look. And what it really does is spark a debate about you know, it's one thing to kind of praise people in kind of, you know, who are genuine celebrities for their artistic contributions. And I'm not, you know, debating that people who are in movies, you know, aren't worthy of being a celebrity, but it's also sparking the debate of, well, what about people in the fields like science and technology? Shouldn't we celebrate them as well? And I think that's where I really love them as a storyteller. But then I also love, you know, elements of storytelling from other businesses too. You know, it's, you know, I think we did a great job when I was at Duncan of just telling the everyday story of the customer lifestyle and, you know, those those rituals around coffee and those kind of amazing moments of the people who work in the Dunkin' Donuts restaurants. But then there's also elements where, where brands uh, like Reese's um, Peanut Butter Cups, when they had that crisis around Christmas time where people thought their Christmas tree Reese's Peanut Butter Cups looked like basically brown blobs that you might find in your toilet bowl. Um, <laughs> and people started really trolling the brand and they turned it into this storytelling strategy. Instead of backing down and apologizing, they turned it into the storytelling strategy about how all trees are beautiful, no matter how they're shaped. So Love there's it. some, you know, there are some brands like, yeah. So that's a lot of what, you know, I, I really cover on my social media channels, on my blog and our book about, you know, there are some brands like GE that are super consistent and always do great initiatives that you can follow, you know, if you want inspiration. But then there's also some of those magical elements with Reese's, or maybe you could see something from from Duncan with how we did something quirky around Halloween with decorating our coffee cups and told a story of kind of coffee cups in, in costume. So there's lots of great ways brands can tell stories. And I could probably talk to you for like hours and hours, all my favorite yeah, cases. Really, we, we, we would like that. Uh, I think you should come to St. John New Brunswick and come uh, come do one of the Boiling Point Process events with us sometime. Yes, yeah, six hours north of Boston. Yep. I would love that. That, <laughs> that would be so that cool. That would be so cool. But it sounds to me like you really enjoy the creative side of storytelling. You know what I mean? Like as I'm listening to, it's almost that, you know, kind okay. of finding the story and generating the story or or deciding kind of the narrative that, would, that, that makes the most sense kind of given... Um, response from, you know, how, how a chocolate looks or whatever? Yes, it very much is. You know, my background is I started my career in public relations. So I was kind of the one playing the journalist inside the company, talking to executives, talking to the heads of product, really trying to pull those stories out 
to try and then get a journalist to actually want to cover it. So what's actually newsworthy? Mm. And it was such great training for me, for me to then take into companies. So now every time I go into a company, you know, I really think about, I really think with that kind of um, hat on. And then, you know, there was a pivotal moment in my career. I was working at TripAdvisor and TripAdvisor at the time, you know, they were very small. They were 250 employees. They did not spend marketing. Hmm. They do now. They do national, you know, global kind of TV campaigns. But back then they were so much more scrappy and we used kind of public relations and content marketing as a way to do thought leadership and to tell stories. Mm. So I was running the blog for TripAdvisor, covering stories about the company, covering stories about travel, and sometimes pitching those to the news media. And then social media launched. So I'm probably dating myself in my career a bit. But, you know, some people don't actually remember the world before companies were on social media. And what really, I think, spun around for me was all of a sudden, you know, we can tell really great long form stories, maybe through a video, through a blog, but then all of a sudden we have these shorter form mediums to do it as well. So I also think what I geek out on in the creative process is how can we take one story and tell it in different ways? Because I think a lot of what people don't realize is depending on the story you want to tell, there's a great format for it. So you start to think about image versus video, maybe a meme, maybe the world's longest meme ever, or um, an which is great. An animated GIF, um, you know, things like slide share presentations, which can, you know, you can take any boring old PowerPoint presentation, spice it up a bit and turn it into this great visual ebook. So there's a lot of ways that you can tell stories through different mediums. And then with social media came so many different channels. So now we think about going live on social media. You know, how could you tell a story that way? How could you use actually the stories format across Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat? So that to me is, I think, what really excites me. Companies have so many options now. And I think what really grounds it is where does your audience spend time? How do they like to consume content? And when you're thinking about that story, it's that kind of elusive kind of right message, right customer, right channel, right moment. Mm -hmm. So that's really, you know, you can get like, spun around. And I see companies do this all the time where they start spiraling and they make lists and lists and lists of all these stories that they can tell. But you really have to ground it in, you know, where are you going to, where is the message going to resonate the most and, and in what format is it going to resonate yeah. the most as well? It's really, it's really cool because, um, Everything like you've spoken so well to all four of our steps. So the the four steps in the boiling point process is define your avatar, right? Which is what you just said. You know, where are your where's your audience hanging out? What type of books are they reading? What bands are they seeing? Like who is that customer profile? The avatar. Then our second step is uh, becoming a subject matter expert. All of us are already subject matter experts, but how do we? become even further subject matter experts by interviewing other people who know more than we do, like Dave and I are doing right now with you. Um, and we use an interview process, which again is a form of pulling stories out, right? So um, step three is then uh, you know being seen as a thought leader by publishing those stories that you just did in step two publishing them in all the different mediums that your avatar is hanging out. And then it's growing and speaking to your community. So we want to fish hook you to come over one of these days and you got to come to an event with us because you, you speak to all four of our steps, which is awesome. 
That's amazing. I would absolutely love to. So let, let's make it happen. Okay. Well, I, I got to, so I do want to ch- check in on one thing. What, what brought you to London? You know, so you were, because I, I, you didn't say we're in your bio, it didn't say we're, you know, obviously you're from Boston, you mentioned that. And so I was trying to pick up the accent and I, I couldn't, uh, I knew it wasn't, I knew you weren't um, British, but I was pretty sure American. No. Um, but what, yeah, what took you to London? So I studied, I was a student in London in 2004. I did an exchange program through my university and just thought, you know, what? I've never been to Europe before. So this is going to be my moment to live in Europe for six months. And I'll check that off the list, right? Go back to America, live my life, be happy. Well, I actually fell in love with London. So I didn't realize in those six months what a transformative experience that would be for me. I just, have you ever traveled somewhere before where you just felt at home and you felt like you could live there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Many, so many I don't know if you have or if any of your listeners have, but I, it's very rare for me to travel places where I feel at home, where I feel like instead of just going for a holiday, I actually want to permanently be there. And I just genuinely felt that about London. And I made a personal goal with myself that someday I would come back and I would live and work in London. But the reality is, unfortunately, with the way work visas work, it's really hard to do. So I know with Canada, there's some schemes, especially if you're younger in your career, you can come over and it's a lot easier to move here, which is incredible. It's because we have the queen on the back of our coins. Very easy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because you're part of the Commonwealth. And for us as Americans, it's not very easy. I, you know, I ended up having to work for probably about, gosh, 12, 15 years in, in the U.S. before I could actually come back over here. And, you know, I'm so happy that I ended up doing it. I ended up finding an opportunity through Sprinkler to where they were looking to grow their office in London. So I was able to join in a marketing capacity, running a creative and innovation lab for the company. So they were able to sponsor me on a visa. And then after I ended up, um, ended up securing an exceptional talent visa in London, which is a new program. So I, I use every opportunity to plug this. If, if people want to look into it, there is, if you look at the um, Tech Nation exceptional talent visa for the UK, uh, digital technology and performance marketing is one of the skills that you need to have to hmm. qualify for this visa. And you either need to show that you have promise to become a world leader in your field or that you are a world leader in your field. So there's a lot of details online on how you can, I know. And I feel always a little bit like, Oh, I'm of exceptional talent. I always feel a little bit um, weird saying that, but (laughs) I'm also very, very proud because I, I probably wouldn't still be able to be here unless I had that option. And it gives me unrestricted right to work here. So take a job, start a business. And it really gives me a way to meaningfully contribute back to the UK ecosystem. So I'm certainly very proud and honored to have that opportunity. Um, and, and I do think London is a great place to be. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of great innovation happening in marketing here. A lot of great innovation and storytelling happening here. I tried to put tons of examples in our book that I've, I've learned firsthand from being over here, um, which is exciting because I think it's such an international city. So you also get to really, you know, I've gotten to work for a lot of clients now where you get to really work across the world, which is really exciting. And I certainly was doing that in the U.S. I mean, I had a global role at Duncan, but there's just something interesting about, like I used to at Sprinkler, like fly to Germany for the day for a business meeting. So it's just on a whole other level, um, nice. you know, what the experience has been like since I've moved here. This, oh, this is so good. And, and what a pleasure to chat with you today, Jessica. And what's the best way for people to, to get your book, uh, find out more about you, connect with you? 
So our book is available on Amazon. We also do have an audio book on Audible as well. Is, is um, and Katrina and I narrated it. So if you'd like to hear, <laughs> yeah. So it's, <laughs> we went to a sound studio in, uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon. We spent a week recording the book together. It was so much fun. Uh, looks a lot like the very awesome studio equipment you guys have uh, behind you there. Um, so that was super fun. And you can find me at jessicajolio.com. If you can spell my last name, uh, you can find me. And also on, I'm on every social media channel, so you can find me on everyone. G-I-O-G-L-I-O. And how do you how do you pronounce that? It? Awesome, uh, Greg. How do we? Pronounce why are you that again? why are you putting me on the spot again, Dave? How, how about you? I pronounced it the first time. Jolio, Jolio. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, Jolio, <laughs> Jolio, Jolio. <laughs> the one thing I will say is, um, just don't call me Gigolo because that has that been doesn't work. Somebody's yeah. guessed that as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, it was like a line. It, was, it was funny, but it's interesting you brought that up because that did kind of first the first time I saw it, I thought, what? That's a different last name yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I, yeah. I, I bet you, like I'm, I think people should buy the. I, we should check yeah. out the um, the audiobook because your energy is incredible and your passion for the topic is like, uh, like, and so I'm really glad we have video because. I'm just listening to you talk and I'm like, my goodness, like imagine if we get someone like Jessica working with us, uh, you know, um, because, um, and I just like that, that whole journalistic kind of approach mm. to, to storytelling. I think there's, I think there's something, um, really important in that. And then how, how can we, how can we create a narrative? Right. And as business owners, I mean, we, who knows what we're going to run into and how do we shift that narrative and tell a, tell a compelling story. So, so that's interesting to hear that background, um, the PR piece, which, which makes a lot of sense now. So, uh, many thanks, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. This is awesome. We're so happy that uh, you spent a little bit of time with us today and allowed us to call oh, you on a Zoom. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. And I've been interrupting you the whole time because there's a slight delay be- just because of where we are, I think. But uh, it's, it's worked out perfect. Good. Well, I'm glad that we could work through the, yeah, I'm sure my Wi-Fi here is that great. So <laughs> I'm glad that we could work through it. And I love your energy as well, too. You guys are incredible. And I feel like we could chat for hours and hours and hours. We will continue the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Jessica. See you, Jessica. Take care. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. These are the Boiling Point Takeaways. That was awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. Wow, that was that was fantastic. Hey, look, you're full screen now. This is great. Dang. You're 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 the guest now, Dave. I am. Yeah. So yeah. Um, how do we? How are we in the exact same audience or um, office, and it looks different? Like this. Like I'm looking at the screen. I've got like, so much nicer light on on me. Oh so goodness, um, I got like. Oh, how much more bags could I get? Oh, come on, mask. Dave. You oh, look beautiful. Oh, okay. Don't worry well, about it. Well, that's what I was looking for. I'm the guy who was up all night at a concert. I know, and look at you. look great. Um, uh, uh, yeah, Jessica she looked great. great, by the way. I mean, I would never guess she was... Um, well, it was funny because we were supposed to do a phone call, and yeah. then I said, hey, do you mind do- us doing a video Zoom? And she was like, oh, are people going to see this? And I was like, is that okay? And she's like, give me two minutes. I just got to... <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she looked better than both of us put together. Yeah, well, um, most people do, Dave. And she's yes, yeah, true. She's got um, this wonderful energy, and um, she seems so um, sincere about it. But I, I really, you know, and there's a lot of knowledge there, right? Oh, I, I mean, yeah. we just we just touch on it. But I'm curious from your perspective, because mm-hmm. you know, this you are the storyteller. Um, what you do, are too, Dave. Well, but meaning like you know, in, in you help people tell stories. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you take from that? Like, what did you, um, what did, did she say anything that, that really resonated with you? Well, I just, 
like everything she talked about, of course, comes very naturally to me, but it's the reminder mm. of why is it that we don't tell our stories, you know, and the fear part. Um, I I think I got over that many years ago, the, the fear part, uh, but it's still there. It, it's still good and healthy to, to know what you can and what you should and should not post as far as storytelling is concerned, but it was a good reminder. Well, I was, th- you know, I was thinking in your case, you're uh, you're prolific, and I, I bet you your challenge right now is just how do I find enough time? Oh, a hundred. So I have because I was I was just watching yeah. the Ragged Point. Yes, um, my YouTube series. Yeah, and I was and I was noticing the last one you posted was for like it was winter because the thing was frozen. The well, I edited another one on the airplane today. Okay, and it took forever to edit. So like for so was, me, I'm I'm months behind on that. Yeah. Clearly, because and I'm, and I was editing your son's CBC piece on the airplane today as well. So you're right. There's so like and for blogs, I've got so many blogs in the queue, uh, so many podcasts that you and I are doing, so many videos, uh, and I, I just I keep track of it in my notes um, on my computer. And when I have time, I I crank them out. Because okay, so where I was going with that is that is do, do you feel like once that muscle's developed, you see stories everywhere? And then it's just, yes. it's more trying to be um, intentional about which stories you want to tell and for what reason. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I might, it's not as, my storytelling muscle is not as nearly as developed as yours, but it's, I would say, I feel that's the way I feel. Yeah. And then I'm looking at what you're putting out and I'm thinking to myself, like, where does the man find the time to do this? <laughs> Airplanes. Um, yeah, clearly. You should do a thing called Airplane, airplane Journal. Journal. Well, you know, for, for, those, for those who don't know the story, the Airplane Journals, my first blog and the film that you and I made, was called Airplane Journals because the only time I ever had time to write was when I was flying, which was often. Um, on that note, Dave, let's uh, let's reconnect next week. We've got a really cool guest coming up next week as well. We may be wearing, I think we should wear the same clothes. Okay. If, if we're doing Zoom. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay. Can I make it look like I just got off an airplane again? I'll show you which one I'm looking at. Oh, look at that. The Bowling Point t-shirt. Bam. Yep. Limited edition. What All right, it? people. Well, listen, make sure you uh, subscribe and rate to the Bowling Point podcast. Um and of course, um, check out all of our guests who come on and, and follow them, please, and give them lots of love. Uh, they're amazing humans that we're able to attract onto here. Yeah. Um, and yes. look up the 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 meme. Yes, Wook Seventeen, and uh, I think it might be my next short film. Um, Take a look. You can also see my film called Heads Tail on my personal YouTube. There's not a lot on my YouTube, my personal YouTube, but if you go to YouTube, look up Greg Hemmings. Uh, you can check out A Head's Tale, where Wook 17 was pulled from. <laughs> you can also um, check out the Hemmings House YouTube to watch re- the Ragged uh, Reno series that Dave was just referencing. Um, I call it Ragged Point. Sorry. It's okay, but it's uh, you can also find that at raggedlife.hemmingshouse.com. And the very last thing we got to push and promote is our incredible online course. Get the info at www.boilingpointprocess.com. Thank you. Bam. See you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember... Keep that pot boiling.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>